0: You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network. Apostasy called revival, establishing the kingdom through the church. If you are a born again Christian and have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you probably know that many mainline denominations such as the Methodist and Presbyterian Church USA have rejected the true gospel. Now they are working for Satan as part of the religious harlot they are busy building a false kingdom of God, establishing a new age, building a new heaven and new earth. The Presbyterian Church, USA, approved in its 196th General Assembly in 1984 the name for its new emphasis on evangelism. Its title, New Age Donning. In the New Age Donning publication in the fall of 1985, Joyce Cushman Stark writes, quote, If there is to be peace in our world, a dimension of our work must include interfaith issues, where a New Age dawning can bring new understanding of our own faith and that of others. Author Stark is the chairperson of the Presbyterian Church USA Islamic Study Advisory Committee and feels that, quote, interfaith issues need emphasis because of the increasing interdependency of the nations of the world. End quote. It is quite clear from reading the New Age dawning material that the Presbyterian Church USA believes the Church is responsible for helping to build a new heaven and new earth. The opening sentence in the preface of Mission and Evangelism, New Age Dawning, says, The biblical promise of a new heaven and a new earth, where love, peace, and justice will prevail, invites our actions as Christians in history. End quote. But we know they are deceived. After all, true Christians often refer to them as dead churches. But what about the professing born-again church? Are we part of this apostasy called revival? In the Christian magazine New Wine, January 1986, page 17, John Jimenez states, quote, We believe it's God's will that the righteous should reign on this earth, and we're seeing people preparing themselves to be lawyers, doctors, generals, admirals, presidents, and congressmen. The righteous will rule, and the people will, re- will rejoice, end quote. Jimenez was national chairman of Washington for Jesus, 88, and his vision culminated in an official count of over 500,000 participants. Over 200 of America's church leadership, from virtually every denomination, Baptist to Charismatic, was represented on the Executive Planning Committee and General Reference Board. Now, the Bible indeed speaks of Christians reigning, but hardly in the context of us training for our reigning, through preparing ourselves to be lawyers, generals, and congressmen. 2 Timothy 2.12 If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Matthew 5.5 Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And look at who Revelation 20, verse 4, says will reign. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the Word of God, and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. John Jimenez, probably unknowingly, is helping to prepare apostate Christendom to reign, but reign with the wrong Christ in the wrong kingdom. Yet Jimenez's vision of Washington for Jesus 88 prompted Southern Baptist leaders, Assembly of God leaders, Vatican representatives, the founder of Campus Crusade, and a who's who of American church leadership to urge Christians to pull together into unity to follow the vision of Washington for Jesus 88. But Matthew 15, verse 14 tells us, Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. We covered in the Christian anti-Semitism tape and report the unscriptural foundation of this unholy unity of Washington for Jesus 88. That is, that the church is Israel restored. A common denominator of the harlot church is that men with Christ in them will bring heaven to earth and establish God's kingdom. The New Age movement believes mankind must recognize Christ in us, and then we can make earth heaven. The so-called dead churches have adopted New Age theology, and the professing born-again church is accepting doctrines of demons of establishing the kingdom. Now, there are variations in these false kingdom-now doctrines, but here's the more detailed doctrine that is encompassing the charismatic movement. But many non-charismatic churches are absorbing the message in part as well. First, at the fall, Adam lost dominion of the earth and gave it to Satan. Then, God's primary plan for mankind has been to restore our dominion. Jesus defeated Satan at his first coming, giving the church the authority to take dominion back from Satan. Here's how it's done. The five-fold ministry, Ephesians chapter 4, especially apostles and prophets, are in the process of being restored by God. God gives revelations to these apostles and prophets for the purpose of bringing the body of Christ into unity. Submission to leadership, apostles and prophets, is necessary for unity. Remember, synonyms for unity are maturity or perfection. The common denominator of the New Revelations is that believers are to recognize who we are in Jesus Christ. Then, as the ongoing incarnation of Jesus Christ, we are to take dominion over the planet. Through Christ in us, God makes his foes, including Satan, his footstool. Jesus is held in the heavens until the church fulfills the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes this is called restoring God's paradise. The church then ushers in Christ or hands over the kingdom to Christ. That is a summary of the new and improved victorious gospel. The sheep are terribly confused in the body of Christ. Are we to suffer now or are we to reign? We are taught that the Church is to usher in Christ through unity. Or is it the Antichrist who will be ushered in through unity? We are taught that once we come into unity, we hand over the kingdom to Christ. Or does God give the authority, glory, and sovereign power to Jesus Christ? We are taught that the wealth of the wicked is to be handed over to the righteous in the last days. Christians will assume much of the world's wealth so that we can reach the world for Christ. Or does the Antichrist control the wealth so that no man may by herself say that he hath had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name? We need to exercise our faith to claim the desires of our heart, or are we to die to the desires of our heart? We need to bring men and nations and government and schools under the dominion of Christ, or are we to bring the news of Jesus Christ to all men and nations? Is the nation of Israel to be restored in the last days, or is the church Israel restored? Yes, the sheep are confused because the gospel is being preached today, but we have another gospel being preached side by side. The believer is so confused that he or she becomes most comfortable with one particular doctrine, the doctrine of unity. The unity message keeps believers in bondages of fear of coming against unity. It is a self-perpetuating angel-of-light doctrine, camouflaging the darkness that keeps believers fellowshipping with the very false doctrines of demons that are leading them astray. The purpose of this tape is to give you an overview of how apostate teachings in the professing born-again church are coming together. We will outline the common denominators of these false teachings. We have covered on separate tapes over the past year the Word of Faith Doctrine, the Fourth Dimension Doctrine of Paul Yangi Cho, the Unity Towards Mystery Babylon of the Catholics and Charismatics, the Rapid Increase in Kingdom Dominion Doctrine, which claims the Church is Israel, and Trends Towards New Age inside the Church. This tape will hopefully help you to see how these various teachings relate to one another. For example, Many word-of-faith pastors following Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland have adopted kingdom and dominion theology now. Why are they doing that? And what is the general theme of this apostasy? Where are these teachings leading to? Obviously, the uplifting or increasing the importance of men and lowering Jesus Christ is central to the falling away. But this may be stated in another manner. Our blessed hope seems to be no longer the return of Jesus Christ. Our blessed hope instead has become the Church. 2 Peter 3, verse 4, they will say, Where is this coming he promised? And indeed, many Christian leaders are saying exactly that. Instead, the establishment of the kingdom is to occur through the Church. Please understand the subtleties that have crept into the body of Christ. While many errant doctrines are rapidly leading to the conclusion that the church is, in varying degrees, responsible for establishing the kingdom of God on earth, most teachers are not forthright in that proclamation. Oh, they may preach the second coming of Christ, but now it is conditional. Jesus is waiting for the church to perfect itself, a perfection identified with unity rather than emptying ourselves. It is taught that Jesus is held in the heavens until the church comes into unity, and the church ushers in Jesus, and the church hands over the kingdom to Christ, and the fivefold ministry must be restored, and then Jesus can return. 2 Peter 2, verse 2. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. And that is happening today, friends, as we buy doctrine after doctrine that puffs us up that the establishment of the kingdom of God is somehow dependent upon us. Matthew 24 is pretty basic. Verse 3. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, did Jesus say you will see the restoration of the true apostles and prophets? No. Verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Did Jesus say, Revival will encompass the nations and all my children will come into unity? No. Verse 10. At that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Did Jesus say, You will see love and unity through signs and wonders, which has been the theme of Earl Roberts' charismatic Bible conferences? No. Verse 24. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. Did Jesus say, You will sail through the tribulation sealed with protection from Almighty God and no harm will come to you? No. Verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Did Jesus say, In the last days, touch not God's anointed and don't question their teachings? No. Verse 4. Watch out that no one deceives you. Did Jesus say, I want all professing Christians to unite, Catholics and Protestants, so that they may present the majority of the world to me for my 2000th birthday? This was the theme of the New Orleans 87 Congress. No. Verse 12. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands to the end will be saved. Did Jesus say, The church will be such overcomers in the end, they will hand over the kingdom to me? No. Verse 21. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. Did Jesus say, You will claim your prosperity so that the wealth of the world will flow into your hands? No, Jesus said in Revelation 3.17, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Are these differences semantics? Foolish quarrels about mere words? A new Christian magazine, Bridge Builders, November-December 1988, attempts to convince us that the controversy over dominion theology is waged primarily over Words. Thus, on page 6, they conclude, The dominion controversy will blow itself out. This article, like countless other similar opinions, lightly chastises those who are, quote, concerned with holiness and doctrinal purity. It is interesting to see unity seekers in the body of Christ embrace scores of doctrines. Catholic doctrines are okay, word of faith is fine, dominion, reconstruction, latter reign, restoration, kingdom now. Ongoing incarnation, the shepherding discipleship, positive confession, all of these are fine. The unity seekers do stop short, however, of welcoming all as the body of Christ. Many pastors who seek unity are warning their sheep of one particular type of Christian whom we should not fellowship with. The particular Christian who is labeled harmful to the body of Christ is one who is attempting to follow a particular doctrine, specifically sound doctrine. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, and it can be taken quite literally today, Christians. Many Christian leaders find acceptable the beliefs of those who follow Catholic doctrine, but are quite fed up with those who want to follow sound doctrine. The new slang term for those who attempt to follow sound doctrine is heresy hunters. I know many of you listening to this tape would be called heresy hunters. We can put up with the heresy in the church today, but not with the heresy hunters. 2 Corinthians 11.4 For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough, No, this is not a matter of semantics. The Word of Faith theology preaches another Jesus, a Jesus who spiritually died, who became a mere mortal man with the nature of Satan, a Jesus who was tormented in hell, and a Jesus who is the first person ever to be born again. And Word of Faith followers put up with it easily enough even after learning of the truth. So let's begin to understand how many of the false teachings are joining into an apostate church. As you listen to the remainder of this message, It will be best if you have in your hands the supplement to the report for November-December 88 called God's Plan for the Kingdom, Side 1. The flip side is called the Apostate Church's Plan for the Kingdom. During the remainder of this message, we will review God's Plan for the Kingdom. Then we will compare it with the Apostate Church's view of the Kingdom as established through the Church. It is important to remember that the apostate church's view of the kingdom is a comprehensive gathering or a composite of many false teachings which seem to be leading Christians to adopt this view of the kingdom of God. Obviously, not all false doctrines encompasses all that is represented on the chart, but I believe this is a fair general scenario of the direction of the apostate church. So let's begin with side one, God's plan for the kingdom. We see that the period of time we are living in now is often called the church age by theologians. The chief job of the church is one of evangelization. The Great Commission is one of preaching the gospel. Luke 24, 46 and 47, he, Jesus, told them, This is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, speaks of the great commission to evangelize the world. And Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God's plan for the time period we are living in now is not to Christianize the world. His plan is for the true Church to evangelize so that, as Tommy Ice so aptly puts it in his book, Dominion Theology, Blessing or Curse, a people for his own name may be called out. Although our salt and light activities may overcome some evil, it is clear that in this age the world will be consumed with evil. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So, when can we expect the Christianization of the world? This happens when Jesus returns literally and bodily for the national salvation of Israel. Isaiah 59, verse 20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Zechariah 14, verse 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. Now I subscribe to the literal interpretation of Revelation 20, that Jesus Christ will reign on this earth for one thousand years. Old Testament prophets Isaiah, Micah, Malachi, Ezekiel, and Zechariah In many verses, portray this virtual paradise on earth. Deserts will blossom as a rose. Desolate places will be restored to usefulness. Crops will flourish. This is in Psalm 72. Prosperity will abound. Micah 4.4 and Zechariah 3.10. The poor and needy will be delivered from oppression. Justice will prevail. Truth will become customary as the righteous flourish. Jesus Christ shall have dominion from sea to sea and from the river and to the ends of the earth. All kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. More in Psalm 72. The Messiah brings a universal peace that extends to all lands. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. Now, friends, this only happens after Jesus Christ returns literally and bodily to the nation of Israel. These things do not happen While Jesus currently reigns at the right hand of the Father, supposedly expecting the church, even in part, to bring these prophetic millennial political, economic, or social conditions about. This is why Isaiah 27, verse 6 says Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Israel is destined to be the nation that God uses through the literal earthly reign of Jesus Christ to bless all the nations of the world. The evangelization of the world occurs now through the church and during the tribulation. But the Christianization of the Gentile nations occurs after the return of Jesus Christ. Christianization does not occur now through the church. While the church evangelizes now, Scripture is clear that only a few during this age enter the narrow gate, Matthew 7:13 and 14. Many enter through the wide gate and the broad road to destruction. Currently, we are in the midst of the formation of the kingdom of the Antichrist. Revelation 12, verse 9 tells us that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan will lead the whole world astray. Revelation 13 tells us the whole world will follow and worship the beast. So while the bride of Christ is being gathered, the bride of the Antichrist is currently being gathered as well. Satan is now the god of this world. Second Corinthians four four. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. 1 John five nineteen. But at the return of Jesus Christ, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. Revelation twenty verse two. This is the period of time when saints suffer and are persecuted. Regarding Saul's conversion, the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Friends, through faith we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. 1 Peter 1, 5 and 6 We know of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. 1 Peter 1, 11. We are not to be concerned with reigning now, or like spoiled heirs claiming our inheritance now. Instead, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. James 1, 2. Paul said, I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. 1 Peter four thirteen says, You are to rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So while we suffer now... We know the second death has no power over us, but we will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Revelation 20, verse 6. And we don't train for our reign by becoming lawyers and generals. You see, the church is taught through suffering. The church is not taught through reigning now. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth. And verses 28 and 29, he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. James chapter 2 verse 5. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? No, friends, God hardly needs us to establish the kingdom as many are teaching. But Christians have received the promise of a heavenly inheritance. In his great mercy he has given us new birth and to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4. Having believed, we were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. After all, our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians three, twenty. not on earth, and Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. While the true church has received the promise of a heavenly inheritance, the Jews have received the unconditional promise of an earthly inheritance, beginning with the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. No Jew may be individually saved unless he accepts Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but it is clear from Scripture that Israel will be converted, Ezekiel chapter 39, upon the Messiah's return to Israel. Isaiah 59, verse 20, The Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. Right now, Christians are saved sinners. But we will have immortal bodies when Jesus returns for the church. Philippians 3.21 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That is a summary of God's plan for the kingdom. And shortly we will compare the scenario that an apostate church has designed for establishing the kingdom. Now, let's clarify something right here. One can say the kingdom was inaugurated at Jesus' first coming, but this is the kingdom that is within us. Jesus said in Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. And friends, this kingdom that is currently within us is not of this world. John 18:36 let alone establishing the kingdom of this world. But before we leave the chart on God's plan for the kingdom, we must discuss something very basic and yet absolutely essential to understanding the false doctrine encompassing the church. For example, in order to understand humanism, one must understand that evolution is the cornerstone of humanism. In this message, then, we want to point out two faulty cornerstones upon which the apostate church is built. We have covered one of them in some detail recently, so we will not spend a lot of time going over it again. But the first of these two faulty cornerstones is that the church has replaced the nation of Israel, and that Old Testament prophets specifically meant for the nation of Israel are now meant for the church. But the other faulty cornerstone that we have not covered in detail in the past and that is what we are going to do now. I believe it is key to your understanding of the end times apostasy, and it is the most important part of this message. So if your mind is drifting as mine often does, please come back to us. Here we go. What was the tragic consequence of the temptation and fall of man in Genesis chapter 3? Your most likely answer, and correctly so, is that it resulted in the universal sinfulness of all humanity. Man's nature became evil. There was spiritual death and separation from God. But there is a common denominator to several of the new Gospels being preached today. You do not hear them say, Man was separated from God at the fall. Instead, you hear them say, Man lost dominion. There is a de-emphasis of the sin of man, and the emphasis has been placed on man losing dominion. Now this is important, for we shall see that in these new false teachings, including Word of Faith, that the purpose of Jesus Christ's first coming has been changed. Now, we know the purpose for Christ dying on the cross. Colossians 1, verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is internal spiritual peace, and it was a purpose of Christ's first coming. External physical peace will be a purpose for his second coming. But this is not the gospel now being taught by many They say Jesus Christ came on his first coming to restore man's dominion Instead of Adam losing his relationship to God in the Garden of Eden We have Adam losing dominion So we don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ dying to reconcile us to God But of Jesus Christ dying to restore our dominion Now this is quite subtle This is generally not a denial of Jesus Christ reconciling work on the cross. It is an adding to scripture of something that is not there. Dominion theology, or reconstruction theology, totally subscribes to the doctrine that Adam defaulted on his assignment of dominion. Now, Christians are to take dominion back from Satan. Tommy Ice quotes reconstructionist George Grant, and I quote, But it is dominion that we are after, not just a voice. It is dominion we are after, not just influence. It is dominion we are after, not just equal time. It is dominion we are after, world conquest. Many theologians argue that man did not lose dominion at all at the fall, but that both unbelievers and believers continue to exercise dominion over God's creation. But dominionists claim that we have indeed lost dominion, Now, dominion, they often say, is not a power trip, but one of recognizing our stewardship responsibilities of the earth. Tommy Reed called this, in Seduction of Biblical Response, an ecological mandate for the church. Well, this happens to be the same goals as that of the New Age movement. The focus is on serving the creation more than the creator, which we are warned against in Romans chapter 1, although it is well camouflaged as serving the creator. We must subdue the earth in dominion theology. Now that Adam has lost dominion, the Church is to take dominion back from Satan. The Reconstructionists say we can take dominion back from Satan by returning to Old Testament law. Now remember, this is a key point. Once the believer accepts dominion as the focus of the fall, then the key question becomes the restoration of dominion. Who does the restoration and when? When? And the trick has become to give Jesus partial credit and give the church extra credit for restoring dominion. Here is how that's done in the Word of Faith movement. The Word of Faith gospel of Kenyon, Hagen, and Copeland claims also that Adam lost dominion, and now the church is to take dominion back from Satan. Notice that word of faith theologians severely dilute or in some cases have even denied the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Instead, Jesus had to die spiritually, and had to become a mere mortal man to pay for man's sins in hell. Jesus was the ransom paid to Satan by God to reestablish the dominion originally intended for man in Genesis 1, The point becomes this. Satan has been dethroned by Jesus in the pits of hell. Atonement for sins is not the focus in Word of Faith theology. It is reclaiming dominion from Satan. So what is the big picture in all this? While you and I believe Jesus will establish dominion upon his second coming, word of faith said it has already been established by Jesus through the atonement in hell. Jesus has done everything he is going to do, they preach. The church has now been given power of attorney authority to reclaim dominion from Satan. It is no wonder that word of faith pastors are shifting to dominion theology. It is no wonder many are mocking those waiting for the rapture and speaking of establishing the kingdom through the church now. We can do this, of course, through knowing spiritual laws of positive confession. Friends, the Bible tells us that the first coming of Jesus Christ is to reconcile us to our Creator. It is upon the second coming of Jesus Christ that He is given dominion. And this is key for you to understand The apostate church will claim that both happened at the first coming, and the church has been given the authority, power, and green light to establish dominion. The Bible says that Satan is bound when Jesus Christ returns. But those who follow amillennialism, which is the view held by the Roman Catholic Church and many mainline Protestant denominations, often subscribe to the belief that Satan was bound at the cross. Note that this corresponds with the Word of Faith theology, in which Satan was bound at Christ's first coming, only it happened in hell in Word of Faith, and not on the cross. So let's not think of Jesus as High Priest, but only as King. We need not to pray to God, but demand from Satan, We're King's kids, let's claim our inheritance now. What are we doing asking the Father for something in Jesus' name, when he has already given us all power and authority in Jesus' name to demand what we want from Satan. Hebrews 9.28 gives us the truth, however. Quote, So Jesus was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now this refers to the second advent when Christ will come to earth without being a sin offering to save man. He will come the next time to reign and put all enemies under his feet. Jesus Christ is not sitting at the right hand of the Father expecting the church to take dominion. For 1 Peter 1, verse 9 says, You are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Our goal, friends, is the salvation of our souls, not restoring our dominion. Upon his second coming... Jesus Christ will be given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language will worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Daniel 7.14 The verse before Daniel 7.13 tells us that the Ancient of Days, God the Father, gives the kingdom to Jesus Christ. The church does not usher in the kingdom, or usher in Christ, or hand the kingdom to Christ. It is an apostate church, however, that helps to give authority, glory, and sovereign power to the beast, the Antichrist, Revelation 17, verses 13 through 17. What is happening, friends, is we as believers are attempting to mix or even exchange God's current plan for the church with his future plan for the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. What is supposed to happen in the future Is said to be happening now, if we only exercise God's word. Now, Christians should be concerned about attempting to prematurely establish God's kingdom, because Scripture is clear that the Antichrist will establish his kingdom, Revelation 13, shortly before the true kingdom of Jesus Christ is established. This is why many false prophets claim there will be no Antichrist. Obviously, the first Christ to appear will be accepted as the real Christ, since there is no Antichrist. Reconstruction theologian David Chilton claims there will be no future Antichrist. Earl Polk, who appears quite often on Trinity Broadcasting Network to spread his heretical doctrines, believes there will be no literal Antichrist. Instead, what is now and what will be taught more and more is that there is an antichrist spirit in those who would attempt to stand in the way of the church establishing the kingdom of God on earth. Now this is where the ongoing incarnation theology fits in. Both books written in response to Dave Hunt's book, The Seduction of Christianity, proclaim that we as believers are the ongoing incarnation of Jesus Christ. But don't be fooled by the words in Earl Palk's That the World May Know and Tommy Reed's Seduction, A Biblical Response, that referenced the church as the ongoing incarnation. They believe we are God in the flesh. Palk and other Christian leaders sometimes we term it as little gods. But listen closely to Palk in his book Held in the Heavens Until, page 127. I quote Palk. God said, test the spirits. The spirit of Antichrist will deny the incarnation of Jesus Christ within people in the church. That spirit denies that God is in the flesh. Paul is completely misquoting 1 John 4, 2 and 3, which tells us that every spirit that that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Those verses speak of Jesus as being God in the flesh, not the church. Obviously, evil has become good, and good is becoming evil. The true gospel claims the lie of Genesis 3 is that we shall be as God. The new false gospel is claiming those who are evil are ones who deny that we are God in the flesh. It is identical to New Age theology. The point is that it is those who believe that we are God in the flesh who also are believing that mankind is to bring heaven to earth. Many Christian leaders are changing their minds about the meanings of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6:10, Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is not said to concern the coming kingdom and the second advent of Christ, but instead means that the kingdom is to come through the church. We bring heaven to earth. The body of Christ is being bombarded with various theologies of the church establishing the kingdom. Charismatics have particularly rallied behind Tommy Reed and Mark Berkler's book, Seduction, a Biblical Response, and behind Earl Polk, They have become unofficial leading spokesmen. Here is a sample of quotes from these two men that relate to the church establishing the kingdom of God on earth. The problem is that church leaders are following these men. Tommy Reed, an Assembly of God pastor, in Seduction, a biblical response, We are the king's delegated authority to reclaim the planet for our king. And the Bible is the handbook for man's dominion over the earth. And, ye are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, is no less than a mandate for the social transformation of the world. And, we must make ready the world for Christ's coming. And, kingdom now teaches that godly followers of Jesus can enter society and solve the problems. Earl Polk of Chapel Hill Harvester Church in Atlanta. And these quotes mostly come out of Held in the Heavens Until, page 134. Jesus is held in the heavens until the restitution or restoration of all things. Page 171. We are little gods, whether we admit it or not. What are little gods? A god is someone who has sovereignty. Page 198. The next move of God awaits Christ in us taking dominion, being the standard by which God can judge the world. Page 228. Jesus cannot come until the apostolic ministry is reestablished. 234. Christ in us must take dominion over the earth. 2.35 God will move again when the family on earth and in heaven become one. A new heaven and new earth can come wherein dwells righteousness. Page 2.30 The purpose of every move of God is to produce the mature bride. Christ in us, the power of God's authority displayed through us, taking dominion of this planet. In the introduction, page 9, The church must become that second witness to signal in heavenly places that His enemies have become His footstool. Acts 2.35 Page 117 The church should be in the business of restoring God's paradise. 118 Obedience means overcoming sin by setting up a kingdom by which God can judge the world. In the book Satan Unmasked, Paul writes, page 111 Christ will not come until the meek move with maturity to inherit the earth and we perform what God has called us to do. Then he will come and receive his bride. Page 254. The church of Jesus Christ has not yet conquered death, but this last enemy will be totally conquered before Jesus returns. Page 265. We must solve the mystery of overcoming death. Now it is time to look at side two of the supplemental sheet. It is labeled the apostate church's plan for the kingdom. You will note that changes have been made from God's plan for the kingdom on side one. First of all, the entire left half of the chart is crossed out. It simply has no place in the plan of the apostate church. Instead, the apostate church believes we are now living on the remaining right half of the chart. I realized after this chart was drawn that it represents virtually the exact theology that Earl Paul teaches. But the main purpose of this chart is to show you exactly where vast numbers in the professing born-again church are headed. It might be labeled, the future is now. The apostate church will not wait for Jesus Christ to rule and reign. The kingdom is now. So let's look at the changes the apostate church has made from God's plan to make it their plan. First of all, you will note that Israel is no longer Israel. The church is now Israel, as is taught by many today. And we certainly cannot have a literal interpretation of Revelation chapter 20. The 1,000 years now means an indeterminate period of time. There is no church age of evangelization anymore, and then a 1,000 year period of time when Jesus reigns. Instead, we are supposed to be living in a the church is Israel age. But one cannot now literally interpret the 1,000 years, because 1,000 years have passed since the death of Christ. In the apostate Church's view, there will not be a kingdom of the Antichrist formed which will dominate the world before Jesus returns. Instead, humanity will bring forth the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Discerning true Christians will recognize, of course, that this The kingdom of Jesus Christ that is being formed to dominate civilization during these times is actually the false kingdom, apostate Christendom. The apostate church believes we are in the period of time when the Gentile nations will be Christianized. Discerning true Christians will recognize that this is a New Age Christianization, however, that will serve the Antichrist. Please remember that their Christianization will have nothing to do with a regenerated spirit, but instead with a spirit that tells them that they are God. Now here's another key point on the chart, and it again has to do with the first and second comings of Jesus Christ. God's plan is that Jesus Christ died for our sins on the first coming, and will take dominion at the second coming. But remember, the apostate church is claiming that Jesus took dominion on the first coming, not the second and now has given all power and authority to the church to establish the kingdom. That is why many are mocking the rapture. Jesus can't come, they say, until the church exercises our legal rights to take dominion back from Satan. Thus you hear, Jesus has done everything he is going to do, for they believe Jesus already defeated Satan in terms of dominion, and is now waiting at the right hand of the Father for the church to wake up and complete the job. The church, in essence, becomes the second coming we complete the defeat of Satan that Jesus began. The Great Commission is now the Dominion Mandate, thinly disguised as evangelism. Thus, while the Bible says Satan is currently the god of this world, the new teachings victoriously claim that Satan is a defeated foe. Only our ignorance of who we are in Jesus Christ allows Satan to prosper. Our problem, then, is claimed to be, just as it is in the New Age movement, one of ignorance, not sin. Earl Paul's claims in the book The Ultimate Kingdom, he, Satan, is not going to be bound at some future date, but he is bound now. He is no longer alive and well, as some would have us believe. Please turn to Revelation 20 verse 2 where it says Satan is bound for a thousand years. You see, if you accept that the church is Israel, and there is no future millennium, and that we are currently living during that time, then you theologically must accept that Satan is bound now. Dr. Dave Regan of Lamb and Lion Ministries expands on the very serious problems of amillennialism as was developed by St. Augustine, adopted by the Catholic Church and still unfortunately retained by many Protestant denominations who rejected most of Catholic doctrine. I quote Dr. Regan, Augustine argued that we are currently in the millennium, He said the millennium began at the cross and would end 1,000 years later with the return of Jesus. When people asked how we could be in the millennium when there was so much evil in the world, Augustine responded that the level of evil is relative. He said we were in the millennium because the Holy Spirit is in the world restraining evil. If the Holy Spirit were not here, things would be much worse. Thus, relatively speaking, we are in the millennium. For Augustine, the 1,000-year length of the millennium was no problem because he lived in 400 A.D. When the year 1,000 passed and the Lord did not return, all millennialists simply spiritualized the number. Since that time, they have argued that the number is symbolic and thus represents the period from the cross to the second coming, regardless of how long that may be. The Bible says that when the millennium begins, Satan will be bound. Incredibly, Augustine claimed that Satan had been bound at the cross, end quote, Dr. Dave Regan. Again, this fits with Word of Faith theology, which also claims that Jesus Christ was the ransom paid to Satan by God to reestablish the dominion God originally intended for man in Genesis 1.28, Satan has been dethroned. Satan is bound by the laws of God that says you can have whatsoever you say. It is just our ignorance of Kenneth and Gloria Copeland's spiritual laws that keeps us from claiming the world back from Satan. Once the body of Christ learns these spiritual laws, then watch out, devil. Jesus has already won the kingdoms of this world and all its riches back from Satan, and all the Church must do is receive our inheritance. Please look at the chart again. The apostate church believes Satan was bound on the first coming of Jesus Christ. Only our ignorance of who we are in Christ keeps us from putting the devil under our feet and establishing the kingdom. You see, true believers in God's plan know we have received the promise of the heavenly inheritance. But the apostate church teaches, claim your inheritance now. Jesus has defeated Satan. Actually, what is happening? is that it is Satan, not Jesus, who is offering the apostate church the kingdoms of this world, just as he offered Jesus. Only they are accepting. Their citizenship is not in heaven, but their mind is on earthly matters, and they are going to bring heaven to earth. And it makes perfect sense to the apostate church. After all, they have replaced the Jews. Therefore, all of the Old Testament prophecies, which in truth are meant to be for the nation of Israel when Jesus returns, they say are meant for the church now. The church is to mature, perfect itself, come into unity, take dominion from Satan, claim that earthly inheritance, put down rebellious ones, usher in Christ, and hand over the kingdom to him, and then we are on our way to building the new heaven and new earth. The immortal bodies that we are supposed to have... Present some problems, but the New Age movement has answers for that. And now Earl Palk, you'll remember, tells us that death will be conquered before Jesus returns. Well, friends, the future is now sounds great. But if you wish to reign now, you will reign with the Antichrist, not Jesus Christ. And your reign with the Antichrist is somewhat shorter than eternity. Revelation 17, verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. You see, the reign will be during the tribulation. Now, obviously, the vast majority of Christian leaders would reject Earl Paul's belief that the body of Christ will overcome death before Jesus returns. But what about the remainder of the belief system that will characterize the apostate church? How many Christian leaders are calling apostasy revival? Friends, the situation is quite serious. Perhaps the largest Christian coalition that has adopted a theology that will lead Christians into apostasy is the Coalition on Revival. Coalition on Revival, or CORE, has attracted the best-known Christian leaders in America. The unique aspect of CORE is that it has unified leaders from all different backgrounds and denominations. July 1988 correspondence from CORE lists over 100 Steering Committee members, and there have been several hundred more participants. A sampling of Steering Committee members include Intercessors for America's John Beckett, Gary DeMar, author of The Reduction of Christianity, Colonel Donor, Leader of Christian Voice, E.V. Hill, Dr. James Kennedy, Tim and Beverly LaHaye, Larry Lee, Bob Mumford, J.I. Packer, Gary North, Dr. Adrian Rogers, R.J. Rushdooney, Frankie Schaefer, Bob Weiner of Maranatha Ministries, Donald Wildman, John Wimber, and many, many others. You get the picture. Several Christian leaders resigned from the Coalition on Revival after recognizing that this is not a Coalition on Revival, but a Coalition on Reconstruction, as one so aptly described it. Here's what is happening. Coalition on Revival is under the leadership of several who are theonomists, or who believe that it should be the primary goal of the Church not to evangelize, but to reconstruct society through Christian principles, Old Testament law, etc. Like blind sheep, much of America's leadership is following them, guided not by the Holy Spirit, but by the false doctrine of unity. The central doctrine, of core is simply the reformation of society. The leadership, of CORE refuses to recognize his Bible verses such as 2 Corinthians 4.4 that Satan is the god of this age, and 1 John 5.19 that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You are considered a loser as a Christian if you believe that the world conditions must get worse, even though the Bible says so. Documents written by core leadership willingly accept all Christian views except one, the true biblical view of God's plan for the kingdom. Here's a sampling of the Christian views that official core documents reject and accept. They reject, I quote, Your commission is just to concentrate on saving souls from this evil world. Instead, they accept, quote, Your commission is to subdue the earth and build godly nations through evangelizing and discipleship. They reject, quote, you see Christian culture as a counterculture, an isolated, persecuted minority in an evil world. Instead, they accept, quote, You see Christian culture as leavening all areas of life, replenishing the earth, and blessing all mankind. They reject, quote, Reformation is impossible since things must get worse because Satan is in control. Instead, they accept, quote, Reformation is expected if a nation is obedient to God's word, end quote. Now, what CORE has done is this. They have brought Christian leaders together through shouting, let's not argue about eschatology. And yet the entire purpose of the coalition is built upon reconstruction eschatology. Similar to Henry Ford, who said you could have any color of Model T as long as it is black. You can hold to any eschatology as a member of the Coalition on Revival as long as you believe the church is to reconstruct society. Christians should strive, obviously, to be salt and light to a darkened world, but it is clear, friends, that the primary leadership of CORE believes that God intends for Christians to reform society and bring the earth under the rule of God, and key Christian leaders are following these men. And now the participants of Coalition of Revival have gotten themselves into a serious fix. On July the 2nd through the 4th, 1986, at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., over 500 core delegates, influential Christian leaders from all denominations, made a covenant with one another. The covenant concerns living in obedience to the Bible, but relates to a Christian manifesto for the church which clearly points in the direction of creating a kingdom on earth. Friends, the Bible warns us, James 5 verse 12, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven nor by earth, by anything else. Let your yes be yes, and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5:36, And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The agreements made between core Christian leaders is indeed from the evil one. Document number 3 of the Commitment Sheets of CORE that was signed by the original 112 steering committee members states that they would not fight among themselves over these following matters. Ecclesiology, Eschatology, Baptism and Communion, Calvinism, Arminianism, and Dispensationalism, Christian freedom differences, tongues and other charismatic activity, and modes of worship and methods of evangelism. As I stated, CORE members now find themselves in quite an uncomfortable position. They have signed a binding covenant, and now many see or understand more fully that the underlying purpose of CORE aligns with Reconstruction Theology. But yet they have agreed not to disagree. Much of our leadership has sold out to unity with men to the point they are signing covenants, covenants that will eventually help to bring forth the kingdom of the Antichrist. You see, the core covenant automatically assumes the church is Israel. If you have signed the core covenant, you have bound yourself to defending the lives of men instead of defending the truth of God. This unity among the most influential Christian leaders in America in the Coalition on Revival is in direct rebellion against God's plan. They claim it to be a victorious view of the kingdom. Frankly, I fear they wish to receive the glory instead of Jesus Christ. They want Christ in us to subdue the earth instead of waiting for our blessed hope, the return of our Lord, to establish the dominion. Friends, please do not usurp God's authority and get puffed up about Christ in you. If we have Jesus dwelling in us, we will be convicted of our sin by a comforting Holy Spirit, and we will truly want to see our Savior glorified. We need not seek our glory now by claiming we must establish the kingdom through the church. It is camouflaged pride, and apostasy called revival. I thank you for joining me. We at Cultivate Ministries wish to help in any way we can. Our primary goal is to expose the cults, the New Age movement, and false teachings entering the church. And at the same time, reach out to those who have become ensnared into these various heresies. We provide vast information in print, cassette tapes, and video formats. If you'd like to receive a catalog of materials or are interested in having a seminar at your church, write to us at Cultivate Ministries, P.O. Box 6490, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934, or call us at area code 719-630-1222. Thank you. Your tuned in with the underground Network.